Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Anyone who's been married in this place, when I got married, the most stressful part of my wedding was not the wedding day. To be honest, the most stressful part of the wedding was the invitations. Anyone know what I'm talking about with that? It's like trying to create an invite list is probably one of the most stressful parts of a wedding. It is, it is just crazy. You have to, you got, you got parents, people, parent, people that parents want to invite have to be considered. Like you people, it's your wedding, so people you want there have to be considered, but then you only have a certain amount of invitations you can give out. And so it's this really big thing. And, and then you, you decide what invitations you get. And it's a massive thing. And for me and Ashari, we were like, hey, we want a triangle invitations because we want it to be different. The only thing is, is that we said, hey, we want to save more money at the same time. And so we said, we're going to cut them ourselves. Worst mistake of my life. It was terrible. Triangle, uh, triangle invitations, cutting them yourself. We spent literally like four hours on a Monday cutting invitations. It was a terrible time. But I think the reason we put so much pressure on it is because we don't want anyone to feel unwanted or uninvited because we know what that feels like. All of us have experienced it in some way, in some shape, in some form in our lifetime. Maybe it's at work. Maybe it's at uni. Maybe it's even in your family. Maybe it's in your extended family. You feel like you're excluded from them. Any one of us knows what it feels to be unwanted and uninvited. And it's not a great feeling. We begin to have the thoughts of, why wasn't I invited? We begin, to, we, we begin sorry, to question ourselves. We begin to question whether they actually like us and they want us in this world. And our mind begins to spiral into a place that is very dark. And so this morning I want to look at, look at a story in the Bible where Jesus was invited to a party, uh, but someone showed up who wasn't invited. Someone showed up who wasn't invited and the people who were hosting the party, they didn't like it. They did not like it. And the story is found in Luke 7 and we'll get there in a second. But before we do, I want to give you some context to the story. So the story is found where we see a Pharisee who actually invites Jesus to dinner. He invites Jesus to come and hang out. And, and we'll read it in a second, but you need to know something about these parties. These aren't just like New Testament barbecues. You know what I'm saying? Like where you rock up and someone brings chicken thighs, someone brings a salad, someone brings drinks, you know, and then that person who doesn't ever really bring anything but still eats everything still gets invited. Uh, but everyone knows they haven't bought anything, you know, like it's not one of those moments. It's not a New Testament barbecue, but what they would do, they would share a meal. They would invite the who's who's of Pharisees, and they would share a meal. And the thing you've got to understand about the Pharisees is that they like to be seen to be as important. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, but what had happened is that over time, they had depended too much on the laws and forgotten the heart behind what they do. And so what took place is that they would dress fancy. They would wear these special tassels. They had 613 laws that they had to follow. 613, that is a lot of laws that had to follow this. Some of them being that you couldn't interact with people who were deemed unclean, who had a, had a disease or a sickness, which is interesting when you read the fact that God's heart has always been for people who are broken and hurting, but they let their laws and their motivations be changed. And as a result, they like to be seen as important. So what would happen at these gatherings, at these meals, at these dinner parties, would not be, hey, come around, invite whoever you want, it's going to be low key. No, this was a big event. This was a huge event. So when you got invited, only the who's who's, the Pharisees, and the who's who's, the politicians, were able to come. Because what they would do is, yes, they would sit down there and all eat a meal together. But then what would happen is that after that, they would actually go to this next room. Now, this room was actually a room that had a, had a veranda all the way around it and had doors. And what they would do, they would open up the doors 
to the veranda and the public would actually come and stand around that veranda because what they would do in that room is that they would talk about politics, social matters and theology all night long. And you go, Dan, that sounds like a party I want to go to. We all know. But this is what happened. It was actually a form of entertainment for the public. They didn't have Netflix. They couldn't binge or watch any shows. Their form of Netflix was going, hey, let's go watch the Pharisees discuss theology. Come on. This is going to be awesome. Hey, have you heard who's coming tonight? Oh, I had a special guest. What's up? <laughs> but what would happen is that they would literally go and they would chat about theology and social topics. And so only the who's who's were invited. But here's the thing is that the reason they opened the doors wasn't to teach other people about this stuff. It was to show them how good they were. It wasn't to be like, hey, like we want to inform you. It was actually to be like, hey, look how much we know. Look at our wealth of knowledge. Look at what we know. We know all this. We do all this. Hey, we know that says here we have 613 laws that we uphold. They wanted to be seen as people who were doing, seen as important. And so when Jesus arrived and Jesus was a man who was gathered, a lot of people were following and there were people who were calling him rabbi and teacher and he was exploding people's minds with his understanding of the gospel. Uh, and what would take place is that the, the guys were like, hey, the, the Pharisees were like, hey, if this guy's legit, we want him in our room. Not because of, hey, we believe in the man, but because, hey, if we have him in our room, people will see us with him. And they'll know, hey, we're with him. If he is who he says he is, we want him in our room. So they invite him to this party. Invite, the Pharisees invite him to this dinner party. And we see something crazy take place. In the midst of when they're having the discussion after the meal, we see a person who was uninvited break forward and do something absolutely incredible. But before I go any further, I'd love to read it from Luke 7 verse 36. And onwards, it says this, When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Can I just say, can we all sign a petition to have reclining seats at tables? That would be awesome. It would make eating a nightmare, but it would feel really comfortable. So, A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, keynote, what it means by a sinful life, it means that she was actually a prostitute. She would sell herself for money. She would sleep with people for money to earn money. And so a, a woman who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came with an ablasted jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man knew, if this man was a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is. And she is a sinner. Remember, the Pharisees could not touch, could not interact with people who had sinful life and were deemed unclean. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said, isn't it like I'm just putting myself in this Pharisee's Simon's shoes and like I just want to throw it out there. I would be terrified because imagine you're thinking this in your head, right? You got those thoughts that are running through your head and you see Jesus go from looking this way just to like, <laughs> Simon, I have something to tell you. And you're like, oh no. <laughs> you know that feeling when your parents have caught you when you were younger, when they caught you in the middle of doing something you know you shouldn't have been doing? It's like that, but a million times worse because he's read your mind. Like... <laughs> He says, Simon, I have something to tell you. He says, tell me, teacher. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil sorry, on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, she, her many sins have been forgiven. 
as her great love has been shown. But whoever has little forgiven only loves a little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say amongst themselves, who is this? Who is he even? Uh, sorry. Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This woman was not invited to the party. She was not invited. Jesus was invited because he could be important. But she, no, no, no. She lived a life that was not, not right. She didn't look right. She didn't smell right. She didn't act right. She was not invited to the party. And yet, for some reason, this lady decides that in this moment, she needs to push through the crowd. Just remember, there's a crowd standing around the room. This is a big event. It's not just a small room where no one's looking. No, no, everyone is watching. And for some reason, this lady who knows what she is, knows what she does, and knows that other people judge her, decides that she is going to push through the crowd and meet Jesus. My question this morning to you is why? Why? She wasn't invited to the party. Why, why, why did she push through the crowd? Why did she risk embarrassment and shame to meet Jesus? What, what, what compelled her to do that? And I would say this, is that for some reason she understood she may not be invited to the party, but she was invited to the family. She may not have been invited to the party, but she was invited to the family. See, God's love is ever so powerful, but His kingdom only grows through invitation. God's kingdom only grows through invitation. See, the first thing the scripture teaches us is something pretty incredible. And the first thing we've got to remember is that someone invited us first and foremost. Someone invited me. Repeat after me. Someone invited me. Someone invited me. Did you know that most people in this room, majority of people in this room, came because someone invited them? Myself included. I'm here because someone invited me way back when. In fact, there was a study that was taken of churches and it said 75% to 90% of people who had a healthy relationship with Jesus came because a friend, family, or relative invited them to church. Now you may be going, well, what's the other percentage? That's like people who are just driving past and going, man, I'm gonna, I need to turn in there today and God just interrupting people's lives and, and doing the miraculous thing that He does. But the main way the kingdom of God grows and healthy relationship with Jesus is developed is through an invitation of family members and friends. Family members and friends. You don't believe me? Hey, I've got something cool to show you. It's in 1 John. 1 John, verse 35 and 42. And a really cool thing happens. You know Peter? Peter, the, the, uh, one of the three disciples who was really close to Jesus. Peter, who Jesus said, hey, on you, I am going to build my church. Peter, the guy who was the leader and who led the, the disciples, especially after Jesus went back up to heaven. That Peter, the, the Peter who, who is the incredible Peter, who we are, man, this guy is insane. The Peter who healed people at the gate of beautiful uh, and did all these things in Acts. That Peter... Did you know that he was invited to Jesus from his brother? Check this out. John 1 verse 35, it says, The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and, I, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, Simon Peter being Peter, 
Simon Peter's brother Andrew was the one was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon, who is also known as Peter, right? Simon Peter. The first thing he did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, "We we have found the Messiah." And he brought him to Jesus. Peter only found Jesus through the invitation of his brother. Peter only found Jesus because his brother was like, man, you need to meet this guy. Hey, I've just discovered something. I've had a revelation how good God is and you need to meet him. Come on, man, let's go. Peter only found Jesus because his brother invited him. And something tells me Peter may remember that for the rest of his life because we go on to see him invite so many other people into the presence of God and to meet Jesus because you can't invite people into the presence of God unless you remember that you were invited first and foremost. We have all been invited here. If you haven't, hey, this is my invitation to you right now. Come back tonight. It's going to be great. We've all been invited. We've been invited into the presence of God. Peter only came through Andrew's invitation. But you know what's also crazy in the story that we read in Luke 7? We see this Pharisee, his name is Simon. But you know that same story is actually told in Matthew 26. Matthew 26. And what it says is that it actually calls him uh, Simon, the man who used to be a leper. Now, this doesn't say this in the Bible. I'm just going to delve into it and put myself in the story and kind of use logic a little bit to explain potentially what has happened. Is that all right? Are you with me so far? So we see... In Matthew 26, it talks about how Simon, who used to be a leper, invited Jesus to his house. In this one, it says Simon the Pharisee. And so my question is, if Pharisees weren't allowed to hang around with unclean people, and it says that Simon used to be a leper, that must mean he had leprosy at one point, but doesn't anymore. You with me so far? He had leprosy at one point, but doesn't anymore. Now, back in those days, there was nothing you could do about leprosy. If you got it, that was it. That was over. In fact, they would excommunicate you from the city a lot of the times. They would actually live separate to a lot of people because no one wanted to touch them, no one wanted to be around them. And so they would actually live separate. Which tells me that in that day and age, there is only one thing that I think could have changed this man from a leper to not a leper anymore. It wasn't medicine, but the thing potentially that I'm thinking because I see it happen a lot in the Bible is maybe he encountered Jesus one day and Jesus went, hey, I'm going to heal you. And maybe just maybe that's how he knew him. And so he said, hey, come to my house for dinner. Maybe just maybe Simon the leper was invited into healing by Jesus. By Jesus. And yet for some reason, we see Simon, when this lady walks in, go, man, if you knew who was touching you. If you knew how unclean she was, a man who knows what it is to be unclean, a man who knows what it is to be rejected, a man who knows what it is for people to look at him a certain way, to turn their nose up as he walks past, to run away and hide from him, a man who knows all of that, for some reason found himself in a place where he forgot that Jesus had invited him into healing and that he was once broken, that he was once hurting. And as a result, he got comfortable and complacent in his invitation and forgot the power that he carried with it. Simon, who used to be the leper, he wasn't anymore. Come on, church, let's not get complacent with our invitation. 
We've been invited here. Yes, you may have experienced healing. Awesome. You may have experienced salvation. You may may have experienced community. But here's the deal. We were invited to invite. We were not invited to keep it all to ourselves. We were invited to invite. So don't keep it to yourself. Don't forget about the fact that Jesus invited you first and foremost. Or maybe you have someone in your life that walked you through a tough time. Maybe you have someone in your life that prayed with you. Maybe you have someone in your life that actually, like your connect group leader or someone that's mentoring you. Or maybe you're serving in a ministry. Or maybe you had someone serve you, a leader who served you. Hey church, let's not forget that we were first invited. Come on. Let's not let complacency grow inside of us. Let's not let comfortability grow inside of us to a point where we forget that we were first invited by Him. He was healed. He did not deserve that invitation and he got it anyways. We don't deserve the invitation, but we get it anyways. The cool thing is, is that when we remember that we were invited first and foremost, here's the cool next step is that we remember that everyone is invited. When we remember that we were first invited, we remember that everyone was invited. See, the Pharisees were insulted and disgusted that this woman who lived the way she lived, who looked the way she looked, who smelt the way she smelt, would barge through the crowds and come and spend time with Jesus. Hey, you don't look right. You don't fit in here. Hey, you're not invited because of the way you look, because of what you do, because of how you live. And yet we see Jesus accept her and welcome her. Go back to my question, why? Well, if you go into Matthew, you would see that in the town of Bethany, Jesus actually preaches a preach in the town, same town that this dinner party happens. He actually preaches a preacher says, uh, says this in Matthew 11, verse 20, 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will, rest, you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light." Put yourself in her shoes. Maybe she was around Bethany and and in the town of Bethany and she heard this preach. Maybe the reason that she knew that she was invited to the family, just not the party, was because she heard, come to me, all who are heavy burdened. Maybe she heard Jesus going, hey, come to me, all who are broken hearted. Come to me, all who are struggling, who feel like giving up. Maybe she heard that preach. And it struck a chord in her because she knew she was broken. She knew she was hurting. She knew. You know what come to me all means? It means everyone. Doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what you smell like. Doesn't matter what you've done in your life. Doesn't matter what place you find yourself in. Doesn't matter if you think you're worth it or you're not worth it. Doesn't matter if you think that you are ashamed or you're not ashamed. Doesn't matter if you think people are judging you or not judging you. Doesn't matter if you think you are loved or you aren't loved. Doesn't matter where you find yourself. It doesn't matter what you're doing. It doesn't matter what you did last night. I want you to listen. It doesn't matter what you did this last week or this last month. Your invitation still stands. There is not an asterisk on your invitation. Your invitation to this house, into the kingdom of God and into a relationship with Jesus still stands. It's got nothing to do with you it's got everything to do with the person who invited you and he said all are welcome all are welcome you're welcome you're invited everyone is invited see Jesus invites those others reject a person that seems to be the lonely person at your workplace who no one seems to hang out with Jesus invited them 
or uni or school or wherever you find yourself. The per- other people that, people that others reject are the people that Jesus invites. He actually invites them into his kingdom. It says in Luke 14 verse 16, Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. He said, Jesus replied with a story. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. It's a great short message. I love it. This is before text, so a little bit more expensive to send that message. But they all began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. You would have thought that you would have expected the field before you bought it, but that's just me. I'm not like, hey, let's go buy a car and no, never go look at it. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Another said, hey, I've just bought five pairs of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that even mean? Another said, I just got married so I can't come. <laughs> but it's funny. I feel like even in the verse, God's trying to tell us something. You're never too busy for his invitation. I think sometimes we can convince ourselves that we're way busier than we really are. And we come up with excuses. Hey, I've just gone married. I want to focus on my relationship with my wife or my husband for a bit. Can I just say the most, the most I've ever learned about Ashari, my wife, is when I've been serving alongside of her. The most I've ever fallen in love with her, the thing that's made me fall in love with her the most is to see her passionate heart for God at work. I just bought a new oxen. I just bought a new house, new car. Can't come this weekend. Sorry. Can't come to Connecticut. Can't come to church. No, come on, church. The invitation stands. The invitation stands. It is there because this is what Elsa says in verse 21. The servant returned and told his master what they had said to him. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported there is still room for more. The blind, the lame, the crippled, the hurt, the broken doesn't matter where you find yourself, you're invited. And you know, my favorite part about the whole verse is where it says, there is still room for more. Church, there is still room for more. Church, there is still room for more. Church, listen to me, there is still room for more. There is still room for more. In this very room, church, listen to me, there is still room for more. If you go to your friends and your family and they say no, maybe they say, hey, I've just bought five oxen. I want to go try them out. Be like, hey, that's cool, but go invite the lame. Go invite the cripple. Go invite the blind. Go invite those who others don't invite. Those who others reject. Be the hands and feet of Jesus and go invite those who don't get invited anywhere else because the invitation stands for them because there is still room for more. There is room for more. There is room for more, guys. I said, God. (laughs) There is room for more. In this room, there's room for more. In our light service, there's room for more. In your connect group, there's room for more. In your ministry you're serving, there is room for more. Come on. The invitation is for everyone. Not specific people. There's no asterisks on any invitation. It's for everyone. There is room for more. You have a permanent plus one. You know when you get an invitation, it says plus ones aren't are allowed. You know what I'm saying? Like, in other words, plus ones allowed. Was like, hey, we don't know if you have someone in your life, but if you do, bring them along. You have a permanent plus one in your life. On your invitation that Jesus extended, you have a permanent plus one, and there is no asterisk. In other words, hey, whenever you come, don't come alone. Bring someone with you. 
Whenever you come, don't come alone. Bring someone with you. There is an invitation. The invitation is for everyone. It doesn't matter what they look like. We're not going to judge them. We're not going to be sitting here going, oh, I can't believe they're in church. No, no, because this is a place where all are welcome. Our only dress code is that you do wear clothes. That's our only dress code is that you come and that you are clothed. We don't care what you look like. We don't care what you've done. We don't care what your week has been like because we believe in a Jesus who heals. We believe in a Jesus who saves. We believe in a Jesus who invited everyone, not just some people, not just the Pharisees and the ones who looked the part, but the ones who are actually real people who were broken and hurting and needed help. Jesus said, hey, I came for the sick and I came for the poor. I need you to invite them. There is room for more. There is room for more. Not only do we need to remember that someone invited us, someone invited me, sorry, and that everyone is invited, but as the band comes up, here's the thing is that with every invitation, there is a giving of the invitation and then there's an accepting and receiving of the invitation. So when we... When we remember that we were invited first and foremost, and then when we actually remember that an invitation is for everyone, there's two things. We find ourselves in either two categories. One, in a place where we know that and we need to get better at giving the invitation out. Giving the invitation out. Maybe you're the type of person when you get given invitations to hand out, you forget to hand them out to people because you just get so caught up chatting with them and you love doing life with people and that's great, but God's giving you the heart so you can connect with people to give them the invitation. So maybe you find yourself in that part, but the second one is actually accepting the invitation. Accepting the invitation. I want to I I paint a picture right now of this moment that we find Jesus and this woman. Because there's a few things that happen that I want to talk about. And I'll explain it in just a moment. But she, what she does is the undignified act of worship and repentance in order to accept the invitation that Jesus extended. Come to me all who are burdened. What happens is that she has a moment of undignified worship and repentance. And you may be going, well, Dan, they weren't singing the latest songs back then. They weren't singing bigger than I thought. I didn't see any worship take place. And I didn't see her say, I'm sorry. That's okay, because I'm about to show you where, like, how this has happened. So we see this, this lady, by the way, who's, who's heard this invite, come to me all who are weary. Here's that Jesus is at this party, right? Here's he's at this party, has to push through the crowd who is looking at her, judging her, knowing what she does. Knowing, we know what you do. So she pushes through this crowd in front of all these people that were all gathered there to be entertained, to see how good the Pharisees were. She risks judgment, shame, everything, pushes through and falls at the feet of Jesus. One quick point, it says that she was behind Jesus' feet. In other words, that Jesus wasn't even looking in her direction, but she knew that her invitation still stood. I think sometimes we're going, God, until you, we see your face again, I don't know if I'm invited. No, you need to know you are invited. And no matter where you find yourself, you can follow the feet of Jesus because He is there waiting and ready for you. But what she does, she runs in and she falls at the feet of Jesus. Two things take place. She begins to cry. As she knows what she needs and she knows the invitation has been extended to her, even though she knows she doesn't deserve it. And she cries because she knows she's coming to the one who can relieve her burden. But what happens is that as she's crying, she takes her hair out and she wipes his feet so that they're dry. Now you need to understand the significance of this church. In that time, women weren't allowed to wear their hair down. They had to wear their hair up in public. You weren't allowed to wear your hair down. It was undignified. It wasn't right. 
people would look at you and they would judge you for what you were doing. And yet, in a single act of undignified worship, she takes her hair down to wipe off his feet. To go, God, you are not, you are so good that my tears aren't even worthy to stay on your feet. To me, that sounds like worship. To me, that sounds like undignified taking my hair out and wiping up those tears. So it's an undignified act of worship. But second, there was an act of repentance. So she brought this jar of perfume. Now, if you've heard the uh, sermon preach about this story, you probably would have heard um, that they say it's about a year's wage. And people say, hey, so valuable. And she gave her value to God. And yes, that is a portion of the truth. Absolutely. But this is what you need to know. Her perfume, women in those days, they couldn't actually afford perfume. Women normally couldn't afford perfume. And so with her line of work, she was able to afford perfume. But it wasn't just that it was valuable. It was actually her calling card. Because women couldn't afford perfume, so they didn't wear perfume. And so there were specific women that would wear perfume. And it was like a business card. It was like a calling card. So that when people would walk past, they would smell it and know that there was someone who was offering them something. So when they would walk past this lady, they would know that she is offering her body for sale. They would know that. It was a business card. It was a calling card. And so it's not just about her bringing her value and the thing that is like worth a lot to her at the feet of Jesus. No, no, you need to understand something, church. It's actually about bringing her past to the feet of Jesus. Because what she does, she takes her calling card, the thing that people know her as. You're a, you're a prostitute. You aren't worthy to be in here. We know because of that perfume. And so she takes her years worth of that, which is worth a lot of money, but also spoke about her future. She brought her past, but she brought a jar that spoke about her future. A year's worth of her calling cards. A year's worth of her business cards. And she broke it at the feet of Jesus. In other words, she's saying, I am done with my old self and I am going to change. She took her business card and broke it at the feet of Jesus. One massive act of repentance. Undignified worship and repentance saw her leave healed and whole. She accepted her invitation for undignified worship, an act where she brought her past, but also said, my future is going to change. Because she did not take it away with her, but she broke it and left it at the feet of Jesus. How often do me and you not take our future, our past, our decisions to the feet of Jesus? But we hold on to them because we're scared of what He's going to do to us. But rather, repentance is taking it and breaking it and leaving it at the feet of Jesus. Because Jesus can turn any mess into a message, any test into a testimony. He can turn your trial into something that He wants to bring glory to Him through. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter where you've been. Jesus loves you. The invitation stands for you. And there's a repentance that is waiting. And God wants to walk you through that. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.